Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to read just the first few verses, uh, 16 uh, through 22, and, uh, and then we're going to kind of jump into it. So to set the stage, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And that's how I know that what I had to share today is from the Lord because the worship team spontaneously came up and sang the song that asked the question, Lord, what should I do? Tell me, come on, tell me. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Interesting that a man would come to Jesus and ask the question, what can I do? And when Jesus tells him, he says, I've done all those things, what do I still lack? Because obviously what he had in this world, what he had gained was not providing what it was that he was looking for. And he came to Jesus because Jesus is what he was actually looking for. But he walked away broken and sad because he wasn't willing to give up what stood before between him and Jesus so that he could truly follow him. Now, the book of Matthew is, is an awesome book because Matthew closes his book with what we call the Great Commission. Everybody knows the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus declares that he would be with them he would be with them. And scholars will say that it is these verses, the Great Commission, that is, that is everything that the book of Matthew is about. It's the climax. It is, it is the central focus and theme of what Matthew is saying. And everything that he says and every story he chooses to incorporate are for this central purpose and theme to help them understand what their involvement is in the Great Commission. But the problem is, is that he's writing to Jewish Christians in a, in a situation of turmoil and they know about leadership because in the Jewish faith, you have something known as rabbis and they're in, in essence, earthly leaders, spiritual leaders who would, who would help them to, to walk through the life. So as, as this man comes to Jesus, it's, 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 it's not a coincidence that he, that he says, teacher or rabbi, what should I do? Tell me, come on, help me, lead me. But what Matthew needed to do was to help them understand Jesus as Lord, because that is the only way that they could fill the commission that he was leaving them. So everything that Matthew taught and everything that Matthew said was centered around that. And, 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 and he talked about Jesus being Lord more than any of the other evangelists. And in fact, when, when in his book, when he was talking about people who are uh, uh, sort of in opposition to Jesus, they would always call him teacher or rabbi, but those, as, those uh, like his disciples or anyone who came to Jesus in desperate need, they, you'll, you'll see that they always called him Lord because Matthew is trying to communicate something here throughout his, his, his book. 
And so everything that Matthew says is twofold. It's pastoral because he wants to help them know who they are. And he wants to help them know where they fit into this kingdom of God. And it's missional because he wants to expose them to their mission and to enlighten them to the opportunities that are all around them. And isn't that exactly the message that we all need here today in this crazy world that we live in? We need to know who we are and where we fit in this kingdom of God. God, who am I? Who do you say that I am? And as, as Oren learned, he's the son of God. It doesn't matter what his earthly identity is. It doesn't matter what his label is that he's been given, what anybody says about you, because what God says is you're my son and you're my daughter, and that's all that matters. I approve of you. I love you. I have said yes to you. God says the same thing over each and every one of us as we come and we approach him, turn our lives over to him. But Jesus, where do I fit? You know, I, I walk into church, I don't feel like there's a place for me. I go into one church and, and, and it seems like you, you, if you don't look right and you don't act right and you don't sound right, and you don't sing right, if you don't give enough, if you don't do enough, what's my place, Jesus? Because we know that everybody has one because, because, because scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit gives gifts and he, and he blesses and we're one body with many parts. Every one of us have a place. And a shameless plug that Pastor Rolando didn't tell me to do, but come to the growth track and you'll find your place. But he wants to help them and then he wants to help us understand and enlighten us to the opportunities that are all around us. But the opportunities that you have to share the love of Jesus, not just in here. This, this building, as, as amazing as it is and as comfortable as those wooden chairs are, they, they don't contain and house the presence of God. You do. And everywhere that you go, you are an opportunity waiting to happen. You are, are someone that God wants to break into the world through. And that's what Matthew is trying to help them understand. And so he, he, he helps them to understand that Jesus is not just a leader. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a rabbi. Why? Because a leader can only help you change aspects about your life. A Lord can completely change your life. A leader can help you live a certain way. He can advise you. It can be somebody that you admire, be somebody that you look up to, somebody that, 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 that actually may not even know your name because they may be at the top of a company or something, but Jesus is near. He knows your name. He's not just somebody you admire. He's somebody that admires you. He's somebody that loves you, and he is someone that can absolutely destroy you and change your heart forever. So is this, this man, as we know from reading the other Gospels, he's also, you might hear him called the rich young ruler because of who he is and how he comes to Jesus. But I want to make two quick observations and then read a couple more scriptures, two more observations, and then three takeaways. You got that? Two observations plus two observations plus three takeaways equals... 17, somewhere around there. We'll get there by like two o'clock. So the first one is he comes to Jesus and says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He says, what good thing must I do? And it's interesting. The first observation that I have is that Jesus focuses in on the word good. Now, don't you think that if somebody's coming to Jesus asking how they can inherit eternal life, how they can be saved, that if Jesus is here to, to, to bring people to the Father and to, to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, wouldn't he want to just explain him the Romans road and the plan of salvation and get him saved and get him washed and get him sanctified and get him dressed right and get him baptized and get him plugged in? But Jesus focuses in on this word, good. What good thing, and I believe because at the heart of the question of this man was an expectation of his own ability to be what it was that he was asking. 
He was coming to Jesus as probably a successful man that had all kinds of earthly things and earthly resources. And he had an expectation that I can fulfill whatever it is that you tell me, Jesus. Just let me know, advise me, point me in the right direction. But Jesus focuses in on the word good because of the expectation of his ability. And because he, the reason that he, he focuses in on that is because Jesus wants to challenge him to sell everything. That's the second observation, sell everything. So he goes from talking about a condition of the heart to talking about a condition of the person, a condition of personality, a condition of placement, because at the heart of the challenge that Jesus was giving was that he needed to surrender his ability or surrender the ability that he thinks that he has. Why? Because there's always something outward that stands in the way of what Jesus wants to do on the inward. And for that man, it wasn't his wealth, but his wealth was the thing that would allow, allow him to be broken enough that he would not rest in his own ability to be good. That he would not trust in his own ability to live a certain way, to gain what it was that he was looking for, the significance that obviously money could not give him because he came to Jesus asking for something, that what it was that he lacked. So the man came looking for a leader. He came looking for advice. He came looking for a direction. He's asking Jesus questions, and he calls him teacher, but he refuses to give up control, and he walks away from Jesus out of disappointment. And I want to pause on that word disappointment for just a second because so many people walk away from God because of that word, because of that emotion, because of that, that, that feeling. God, you let me down. You weren't who I maybe thought you were. You weren't who, who they communicated you to be. They told me if that I would just come and give my life to you that everything would get better, that you would fulfill my dreams, that you would, that you would, that you would give me everything that my heart desired. But God, I, I'm dealing with sickness. God, I don't understand the, the things that are happening in my life. And I've been in that place before where I, I stood there and the disappointment in my life became so big that I lost sight of the God who came and died for my disappointment. The God who came and said, give your disappointment to me. It's okay with me that you're disappointed in me because I'm strong enough to receive it. I proved that on the cross. But the problem is, is often our disappointment is focused improperly because we're looking at the outward thing that Jesus is trying to get past so that he can heal the inward thing. But because we won't allow him to actually, we won't actually give and surrender to him the outward thing, he cannot heal the inward thing. And so as the inward thing begins to grow and the inward things begins to cry out and the flesh gets all excited and we don't tame it and we don't keep it under the control of the spirit, things like disappointment happen, things like anger happen, things like frustration happen. And we begin to walk away. But I want you to know today that it doesn't matter if God has disappointed you. It doesn't matter if you feel disappointed. And it doesn't matter if you're continuing to stay away from God because you think that he's angry for you because of your feelings of disappointment. The Bible says that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And Jesus, even in the midst of your disappointment, has still been walking with you. I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that. That even in my darkest moments where I fail to live up to the expectation that I know that this word is placing in my life, Jesus never leaves. In fact, he follows me. In fact, he draws closer to me. 
because his desire is that he would keep me. God's desire is never to lose any one of us. We see that over and over as Jesus talks and as Paul talks throughout scripture, his desire is to keep all of those that God sends. And so even when God allows frustrating things to happen in our life, or even when he allows disconnection from the body or, or, or us to fall into sins in our life, it's always, every single time, 100% for the purpose of redemption. Because he knows that for whatever reason, it is that plan and that process that is actually going to draw you back to him. So we need to not be so concerned with the moment, but be more concerned with where it is that God is taking us to. So he came looking for life and perfection. He left in disappointment, but ironically, if he had not been looking for a leader, but if he had been coming looking for a Lord, he would have gained life and perfection and every other thing that he had asked for. Verse 23 and following, I got two more observations. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus asked them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, we left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a 100 times as much and will inherit, inherit, that's a key word, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Turn to your neighbor on your right and say, you will be first. Your neighbor on your left and say, I'm sorry, that means you're last. But I pray for you. Two observations. The first one is I, I, I key in because I look at everything from a, a, a relational, from a, from a personal aspect. We could get into all kinds of theological things, uh, and, and that's fine too. Uh, but I, I, I want to I I look at this a little bit differently. What I look at here when I see this is the question, the concern of the disciples based upon what Jesus has said. Because they look at this man and they're like, man, this guy's rich. He's a ruler. He's in charge. He's got everything on earth. If that guy can't be saved, Jesus, who then? And don't we always do that? We look at that person. Oh, well, they're so on fire. Man, if, but then if they don't have the life, that, 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 that I think that they should have because of how on fire that they are. Or, well, oh, that, 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 that pastor, he's got such a large church, but he fell into sin. How could he fall into sin? If he's going to fall into sin, what, man, what's going to happen to me? There's no hope. There's no use for me even following this Jesus. We start to look at outward things and we start to look at others and base our life upon the lives and the choices of others instead of the Savior that dwells inside of us. But they asked, who then can be saved? Because they're all of a sudden fearful because they know that they have given everything. They know that they had nothing, but they walked away from nothing. And if they walked away from nothing and this man had to walk away from everything and still couldn't reach salvation, what would happen to them when they had nothing to give? When they walked away really from nothing. And so Jesus tells them, Key statement, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And why is this a key statement? It's possible only because salvation is given or inherited, not earned. 
it is, it is possible only because salvation is given from God because of the work that he has done on the cross and because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of men. It is given and it is not earned. The man came looking for how he could earn it. And so it was impossible. And Jesus wasn't specifically making a statement about rich people, but he was making a statement about a condition of a heart that when we come with our eyes focused on the wrong things, when we come with, 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 with this expectation of us gaining on the outward without the, 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 the understanding that what is on the inside has to change, because that's ultimately what Jesus was asking him to do. It didn't matter. Jesus didn't need him to sell everything. Jesus didn't need his, his flocks and then his money and his houses and everything that he had and his, and his shepherds and his goats and whatever it was that he could bring. Jesus did not even need him to serve the poor. That's not even what Jesus needed. Jesus can provide any way possible. Jesus could provide for all of them in a moment. But what he was doing was speaking to that man's heart condition. But he says that what is impossible with man, or in essence, what is impossible with this man that has made you afraid is possible with God. Why? Because it is something that you will inherit, not something that you will earn. And the point of this story is summed up in a, in a, in a devotional quote in a, in a Ravi Zacharias uh, email uh, that, I, that I sign up to that, that I read a while ago that has stayed with me. It says, knowing who we are and what we need is the starting point for who we are becoming. Knowing who we are and what we need is the starting point for who we are becoming. This narrative is entirely at odds with the quest for personal significance commonly among us today, which reverses this order, telling us that we must first become something in order to meet our own needs and make a name for ourselves. The Christian is one who sees both the weariness and the ineffectiveness of such labors. Meaning, if, if I proclaim myself to be a follower of Christ then I know that it's not my job to find my own significance. I know that it's not my job to become something. It is my job to become nothing, that I may receive everything because I received Jesus. And because I have Jesus, then and only then do I find the significance that I was looking for. And that's the problem with this, this man. He came, and obviously it was reversed because he expected his inheritance or his, his adherence into a certain way of life to get him what it was that he wanted and bring him the significance that his money could not obviously give him. But Jesus gave him the opportunity to get everything that it was that he needed. And the ironic thing is that he would have actually gained so much more, not just everything that he needed, but everything that he wanted as well. I mean, what's better than, 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 than sitting on a throne with Jesus, you know, in, in, in a place of judging the nations, receiving a hundred times more than what I, I ever gave up in this life. But he refused and he walked away from Jesus because he was looking for a leader and not a Lord. And if you will stand up with me at the worship team, will come and, and uh, the prayer partners will come this morning. I want to give you three takeaways as it relates to uh, what we're talking about here this morning. And these takeaways are basically just a reiteration of what I've said here this morning, afternoon now. The first takeaway is that Jesus will always ask for what stands in the way. It is usually something outward that gives him access to the inward. 
You see, from, for us from Teen Challenge and maybe for some of you in this room today, you know, the outward for us was addiction. And that's the reason why programs without Christ don't work is because they, all they try to do is to focus on the outward. They attack the addiction as if the addiction is the problem. But Jesus looks past the addiction because addiction is no problem for him. Nothing is a problem for him. And the addiction will go away if we give that to him and allow him to heal what is broken on the inside. And so for us, it was, it was addiction. For us, it may be pain. For us, it may be unforgiveness. For us, it may be disappointment. It may be anger. It may be frustration. It may be trauma. It may be all of the things that we hold on to. And we make our own identity and we try to figure out how we can find significance through it. But Jesus will always ask for those things. Always. Not because he doesn't love you. Not because he's mad at you. Not because he's an angry God up there that that is trying to inflict pain on people. He's asking for those things because the only way that you can be healed from those things and the only way that the pain can be stopped is if they are surrendered to him and he is allowed to come in inside. And I can tell you from personal experience that often the deeper inward that Jesus go, the more painful it can be, not because of the process of what it is that he is doing, but because it is something that inherently our flesh doesn't like or want. And we get frustrated. But Jesus is asking, if you just give those things to me. So today, what is your outward thing? It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is that we all have them. We are all alike in that regard. So there's no humiliation. There's no reason to hide. There's every reason to come into the light to find healing this morning. Number two, off the first one, Jesus can't heal the inward until the outward is surrendered. What I, what I was just explaining, as long as the, the, the outward is the result of our own control. And part of finding freedom from addiction that we find is that we have to understand that our best thinking got us into the position that we are in. So there is no, no reason that we should go on with that same thinking. But we should allow, we should submit to, we should surrender to the love of Christ poured out through others to help guide us to a place to where now we begin to have the mind of Christ and now we can begin to think in a new way, and desire new things from a place of healing as opposed to a place of brokenness. But as long as we remain in control, the longer he can't bring healing because he only is the healer. And healing only happens his way because he's the healer. I cannot surrender control to Jesus and then go on and tell him how it is that I want to be healed. Surrendering means that I am handing off, taking my hands completely off of and saying, Jesus, it's yours, I trust you. So how are you trying to heal your own situation this morning? The last one, maybe the most important for some in here today, Jesus is always available for a conversation. This man came looking for something completely different and that didn't matter to Jesus. He actually came not even looking for Jesus, not even wanting Jesus. But Jesus talked to him, Jesus spoke to him. 
Jesus loved him, and we see that over and over in Scripture. Available to, to, the, to the demonic, available to the broken, available to the one who would cry out, available, available for a conversation with the Samaritan woman, even available to a conversation with those who would future, in the future would put him on the cross. He's always available. And so no matter how you feel, no matter the disappointment or the frustration that you carry around with you, he is available today to talk with you. And that is important because leaders in our lives are not always available. Jesus is always available because he has promised that he will be with us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing, not because of anything special about this day or because I've been preaching or because Teen Challenge is here or because of the songs that have been sung or because of Christ Unleashed Church. Today is this day of salvation because you are standing here in God's presence and his healing is available. And salvation is available because he's here, because he's alive, because he loves you and he is available for a conversation today. So my question is, will you ask him to come inward? Whatever that means, will you ask him to come inward? Again, he will probably ask for something outward. Not because he doesn't want you to enjoy life, because he wants you to have life. But we never understand what life is truly about until we stop trying to provide life for ourselves. So if God is disappointed, you come and surrender and find healing. I promise you that carrying the weight of disappointment is just carrying a weight that you don't have to carry. If you know there is something outward, whether it be addiction, greed, or vanity, or pride, or whatever it is, keeping you distant from Jesus, come and surrender those things today. And if God is digging inward and you need grace and strength for the process to continue to surrender to Jesus, come and do that today. Our prayer partners are here for you and they would love to pray with you. They would love to talk with you. They would love to, to, to walk you to Jesus because that's what it's all about. The worship team is gonna lead us. Pastor Rolando is gonna come up and to, and to guide you, but don't miss out on this opportunity to have a conversation with Jesus, to receive from him today life, to receive from him today healing, and to receive from him today everything that you have ever needed and that you could ever ask for. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.